one of the things that as I've been calling residents that keeps coming up is how hard it is to get safety improvements on streets, how hard it is to request a speed hump, how hard it is to request a stop sign, how hard it is to slow the speeds on dangerous streets, you know? And again, we make it very easy to do the opposite and very hard to do this. And that's a bureaucratic issue. Our electeds have to be demanding that these things change, you know, and have to be asking for these changes in order for the bureaucracy to actually respond. I don't think that demand is there within our city right now. Well, here we are with Bike Talk on KPFK Live Street. Today, we're bringing Nithya back on. Nithya Rahman, who is a candidate for Council District 4 here in Los Angeles. We have 15 council districts, 15 seats on the city council, and they're very powerful positions. Each uh, council person is responsible for 250,000 people or so, and uh, their districts are divided up kind of funky, like, uh, what do they call that? Um, Gerrymandering? Gerrymandering. And for council district four, that is an interesting layout. It's basically uh, Terrence Houston calls it NIMBY stand, which means that council district is kind of divided up between a lot of uh, the more wealthier homeowner type uh, constituency in Los Feliz, Hollywood. It goes all the way out to Sherman Oaks and Hancock Park, but it also has a big chunk of uh, Koreatown and um, it's kind of all over the place. So there's the constituency is definitely mixed class, but it's just kind of a weird district. And right now we've got uh, someone in there, David Rue, who is himself was kind of an anti-establishment figure when he came in, although he was endorsed by the Democratic Party, he's now become establishment. But he was kind of a finger in the eye to the previous council member, Tom LaBonge. So now um, Rue is not really performing very well and especially with the bike community, David Ryu is a huge disappointment. In fact, he's basically sided with, um, you know, automotive interests on a lot of issues and, you know, with safe streets and so forth. And uh, so now we're excited about Nithya because she is a progressive and she understands that transportation can't just be all about cars. So we're excited about her. And she's progressive on a lot of other issues too, including uh, homelessness, housing, you know, the the big issues of the day. So she damn near, uh, I won't say damn near won the primary, but it was very close, especially considering uh, the, the incumbent who usually wins these things. Like the incumbent has won these races for 30 years now. So it's a, so it was a big, a big deal that she came in a close second and there was a third candidate, I forget her name, but basically if that third candidate wasn't there, I have a feeling Nithya would have taken it. So we're now at the general election and Nithya 
has quite a team of volunteers working for her. I was doing some phone banking the last couple of nights on Zoom and I mean, there was an army of people on Zoom phone banking. It was kind of insane. I, I haven't seen anything like that. And wow. um, there's a lot of excitement for Nithya. And I think Ryu's in trouble and he knows it. And he's been running some attack ads, which also was a sign, you know, that he knows he's in trouble. And uh, we want to, you know, we're going to have her on and we're going to talk to her and see how the campaign's going from from her angle and get an update because we haven't talked to her in a while. Um, the last interview we did with, with her was uh, in the studio and it was, it was a great interview. Do we have yes. her on? Yes. Awesome. Okay. Welcome to the show, Nithya. Hi, how are you? Good. Good. How Hi. are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh 11 days left that's it 11 days left how are you feeling you know I'm feeling really um I'm feeling so positive in so many ways Uh, as you mentioned there has been a an absolute deluge of negative advertising over the past few days Uh, much of it making really kind of horrifying assertions about me my family my policy platforms and that's been really dispiriting but I have to say that the the momentum and the movement around this moment and around this campaign have only been intensifying. And it's just been really such a privilege to be a part of that. I, you know, I've been an observer of LA City politics for a long time. And I have to say like this kind of joy in thinking of a new city and thinking about the future of our city, like I haven't felt this before. And it's, it's really, it's really remarkable to be a part of it. Yeah. You, you kind of, uh, you're bringing a new conversation to the table, especially around homeless issues. I remember from our last, our last time we had you on the show, um, you, you really painted a a picture of what a solution could look like. And I think that's a major, um, you know, it's one of the biggest issues right now. So um, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I got into this race because of my frustrations with the city on homelessness. It's far from the only issue I care about. It's far from the only issue we've centered in the campaign. But I do think that one of the things that I think we really bring to the table, which is so important, is an answer to how do the next four years look different from the last five years? How do we actually respond to homelessness in ways that are really going to reduce the numbers of people who are living on our streets and get, you know, really getting people into services and into housing? And how do we stop the fall of people into homelessness? Because that's been a big driver of change. One thing that I talked about last time, which I want to just highlight again, and I released a little video about this today, is in thinking through how we deliver services to people. Often when I talk to folks, they ask me, well, people who are homeless sometimes have mental illness. And I, yes, some of them do. What we need to do is set up a system through which we are doing proactive outreach to residents who are experiencing homelessness, even if they have vulnerabilities like mental illness or substance abuse, repeated interactions between people experiencing homelessness and caseworkers who are trained to handle those issues can effectively get people housed. This is evidence-based. It's been shown to work over and over again. Here in Los Angeles, a mental health caseworker, if you're lucky, visits an encampment once a month or less. 
that is not enough. Uh, and so and an outreach worker visits an encampment proactively very, very rarely. And most of the time, we don't know how often they're going out. This has to be a neighborhood based um, approach. It has to be uh, the same people who are assigned to the same neighborhood, the same um, encampments, building up those relationships and really kind of setting up our system of services for success, making sure we're actually enabling people to get housed. And that, you know, that to me is a big part of the change that I want to see. It also gives people who are living in that, like I often talk to businesses, small business owners, for example, who sometimes will have people come into their stores or people be sleeping outside of, um, you know, their doorway. And they don't want, they want to help those individuals. We haven't given those people a number to call or a a place to um, get involved with, with homelessness. That is not the police. And you know, let's, let's give them that option. Let's make sure you're calling your neighborhood outreach worker. Let's make sure that person every single time an individual who uh, is experiencing homelessness is getting, you know, uh, getting a call, you know, getting a contact from, from someone in the city that it's not just an outreach worker, but an outreach worker whose name they already know, you know, that, that is a transformative system to me. And, or, and I'm really excited to um, to, to put that in place all over, you know, all over the district. Now, do you, like, people have been calling for vari- variations on, like, you know, defund the police and so forth, and reallocating money that we spend, we spend so much money on the police, uh, reallocating that money to this kind of services that you're talking about, is that some of the, I mean, it could be a controversial thing to 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 uh, say, but is that kind of where we would find funding for this to increase services or what do you think? Yeah, some of that funding, I think for what we're doing can be just transferred over from our existing very broken response to homelessness. You know, I think we're spending a lot of money and seeing very few results. So I do think there's quite a bit of money in the system itself that could be reoriented to be put towards this method. But absolutely, I think that we should be, you know, the LA Times uh, did this study of calls for service for the LAPD and found that only 8% of calls for service were for violent crime. You know, so I think what that tells me is that right now, armed police are being sent out for a whole range of things for which armed police may not be, not just may not be necessary, but actually may be actively inappropriate and may escalate situations like if people are having mental health issues or, or something like that. And I think absolutely we could be funding unarmed responders for non-urgent calls related to homeless encampments. And we would save money, honestly, because it's probably cheaper to fund a social worker than it is to fund an armed police officer going out. And we would actually probably have much better results um, in terms of actually addressing the root cause of that call for service, which is that someone is struggling and experiencing homelessness and needs to get into services and into a home. Um, I'm, you know, I'm really curious too, just from your perspective at, um, at Bike Talk, uh, you know, for me, this race has been so obviously it's my whole life. Um, but it's also been interesting because I feel like in so many ways in our district, we are seeing that this race is exciting for people to be engaged with, that people are volunteering and turning out in numbers that are pretty high. And we actually, um, we got word that 
there was a comparison of early voting returns from across different council districts in, in the city. And our district's early voting returns are much higher than other districts. And the, I think the driver of that is actually a local race. It's our race. And that, you know, to me, that's really amazing. That's, you know, in LA for local politics to be driving voter turnout and voter participation, as opposed to national politics driving it, that to me is a sign of how much excitement this race has garnered and how much energy there is in it. And it's, it's, it's really exciting. It is. I've seen a lot of, I mean, maybe I'm just in a bubble on Facebook or something, but I see a lot of people posting about it. You know, the, the folks at ground game and, and uh, you know, I'm friends with Jessica Salins, who's your, uh, works for your team. Um, but it's, it's pretty exciting. And, and like I said, like the phone banking, um, there was a ton of volunteers. So, man, this is good news. And it's even, it has gone national in a way because. Oh, yeah, that's right. Hugely national. You have Bernie Sanders endorsed you, which is amazing. Oh, I didn't but even know that. In response. Yeah, totally. Love oh, Bernie Sanders. Bernie. Yeah. Um, but in response to that, the incumbent uh, got, you know, Hillary Clinton and uh, uh, Diane Feinstein and um, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi to endorse him, and it's sort of like, do you really want those endorsements? I mean, Diane Feinstein right now is acting like a total Republican, but uh, okay, all right. But, but you know, I think for me, it's kind of exciting because I mean, obviously, it's it's all one that this local race has suddenly been this place where all these national figures are getting involved. That to me is a sign that whatever we're doing, like it has become relevant for people in some way, you know, and that's really exciting. But the other thing that I think it was pretty clear from these endorsements coming in is I think there's a very clear dividing line in the party, you know, between a kind of more traditional corporate Democrat that takes a lot of corporate money and what, you know, the Bernie Sanders, the Elizabeth Warrens, the, the more progressive wing. And, and that line is, is pretty stark, you know, and in a city like Los Angeles, where, it, you know, everyone is a Democrat. I think that is the primary dividing line that is, that is defining our city. And right now what we're seeing is this real kind of I think struggle between what does the city look like going forward? Is it going to be this super traditional political machine that continues to prop up incumbents despite years of failure and actions that are in, you know, I think in many ways are har actively harmful to residents, you know, or is it going to be a new day? Is it going to be this, this movement that takes city hall and says, let, we have a city where our, our values are so clear, our needs are so apparent, are so strong, are so powerful. And are we gonna have a city hall that represents those values, that really addresses our needs? It could be, you know, it's phenomenal. It's really like, it's, it could be a phenomenal change. And, you know, I think no matter what happens in this election, that story, that movement towards a different kind of city. That's already in the works. That's already happening. Like that story has been written and, and we'll keep writing it, you know, November 4th and onwards, no matter what. 
And I oh bring God. it from this uh, very big perspective, broad perspective, down to something that you talked about in the other time appearance you came on. You said that you feel that we need a network of protected bike lanes that's actually yeah. that actually go somewhere. Yeah. And um, a radical thought, I know. And I've been talking to some people like at Streets for All about um, what they're trying to do and, and mobility. The, the LA has its own mobility plan, mobility plan 30, 2035, that we can't get implemented. And a lot of it has to do with uh, city council uh, or lack of any uh, will there. So I just wanted to throw that out there about how um, that's a thing about bikes. I just wanted to throw out. Oh yeah, I know. Sorry, we are on bike talk. <laughs> talk that much about bikes. I, you know, I totally agree that this is a lack of political will that has prevented us from being able to implement the mobility plan. And I think if you look at the the expressed wishes of residents across the city, I think residents have expressed over and over again, like for example, in their overwhelming support for Measure M, uh, in in all kinds of ways that they want alternatives to automobile transit, you know, that they want investment in that, that they want that space for them. And yet when we have these investments in our roadways um, that are that are in the plan, we don't do them because I think a few loud voices have held our city government hostage, have held our city council hostage. And I think that's part of why I think that this more widespread participation in city council politics is really important because I really do believe that the majority of residents want that mobility plan implemented. They just didn't know that it wasn't. They didn't know that it's there. They don't know what it's going to take uh, in order to actually get it done. And, and the fact that that political will is missing, but the people who didn't want it implemented knew that. And so they participated and they stood in its way. And I think now we have an opportunity to have a lot more people engaged in, the, in these local issues. And I think Streets for All has been part of that, pushing for more, um, you know, more engagement at the, at, on these issues. Obviously, Bike the Vote has been, that's their express purpose, you know, is to say we have more bicyclists than we have voters that usually turn out for city council races, although that theory may not be as, uh, as accurate anymore. Um, but but I think this is it, right? This is, we have to, we have to, politicians have to have the political will, but also I think we are, we need to build movements that show that that political will really, ex that political um, excitement for these things really exists. And I feel like both of these things are are hopefully happening now. Um, and, and, we'll, and, and, and hopefully that push forward will continue. I also think there's one other thing that I, I think is really interesting about this particular moment in LA, which is really fascinating to me, uh, which has contributed to, to, every, to so much of what has happened in this campaign at least, which is that I think the costs of not doing this kind of thing are in our face in a way that they weren't even five years ago, right? So the costs of not implementing real protections for tenants are the evidence is on our streets. You know, the costs of not investing in real services for people experiencing homelessness, the evidence is everywhere. The costs of not providing people real options for getting out of their cars is clear now in our, in our terrible and toxic air. 
you know, and I think that every day you see your phone and you see that little terrible air, um, you know, that little logo or whatever icon. And I think it's an everyday kind of a reminder that the, the our failures to take action on these are having not just immediate consequences, but palpable consequences that are that are that are deadly in many ways, you know. And so I do think we're at this moment where this lack of action on something like mobility plan, we can push back against that because people feel an urgency to take action. And and there's there's this sort of entrenched policy regime in the LADOT where um, you know they they do they do a ton of meetings for something like a safety improvement. They'll do like a ton of public meetings about it. And then when it comes to doing like a road widening or a lane widening, they'll do like one meeting. And this is an actual right. like this is their policy. Right. You know, it's like right. it's or, it seems or, entrenched in the agencies too. You right. Know? And 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 so for example, one of the things that as I've been calling residents that keeps coming up is how hard it is to get safety improvements on streets, how hard it is to request a speed hump, how hard it is to request a stop sign. Uh, and that uh, how hard it is to try and slow this slow the speeds on dangerous streets, you know, and and again, we make it very easy to do the opposite and very hard to do this. And and yes, I do think that's a bureaucratic issue. But I also think that is, you know, and I've had disagreements with how much control an individual, one individual city council member could have over kind of the DOT or whatever. But I do think our electeds have to be demanding that these things change, you know, and have to be asking for these changes in order for the bureaucracy to actually respond. Because I, I don't think that demand is there within our city right now. Yeah, there's only a few council member, I maybe one or two that like, you know, Mike Bonin or something who really kind of sticks his neck out to uh, put in safety improvements. And uh, he gets, he gets whipped for it by, you know, people from outside, like, like when he did a, a safety improvement over on Venice, it was like John and Ken, which is these shock jocks, like got involved and I know got, who John and Ken are. yeah. And it's just like, like, wow, you know, these are, this is from way outside of Los Angeles, you know, their, their whole reach is like beyond Los Angeles for sure. Anyways, um, you know, you, yeah, we, we don't want to take up all your time, but, uh, you know, we love talking to you. And, yeah. Thank and, you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. I wish that we had been able to do this earlier, but what a weird time in the world right now. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll have the access to the to city hall no. <laughs> yeah the evil bike lobby will have a little, so a little bit of access to city hall maybe hopefully yeah. fingers crossed yeah. so um yeah thanks for coming on and uh, for having me and i'll i'll talk to you guys soon yeah Thank good you. luck and uh, we'll see you soon cool oh yeah is, we gotta get out well, there we do some phone <laughs> banking phone banking for Nithya. So uh, please everybody get out there and sign up. It's uh, Nithya for the city.com. Is it.com? It's.com. We didn't even do her uh, web address. We got to do that. But uh, 
everybody that you know get out there and, and volunteer on this local level this is really important all right let's take it out bike talk the final theme Shows I care Every turn of the pedal Cleans the air Clean in the green I'm saving the planet Just like my friends Dale, Sean, Toby, and Janet No greenhouse gas A tiny carbon footprint Up your ass I'm on a motherfucking bike I'm on a motherfucking bike Thanks for listening to this episode of Bike Talk If you want to hear more Go to kpfk.org Navigate to Programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the Archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group. 